0: number ten it has oh, got the Australian captain, we're talking about Rivada, we're talking about how good he is. And there
1: it is, his 39th one day international 100, the King gets his crown
0: at the Adelaide Oval. Gone, taken, deep mid-wigan, Glenn Maxwell celebrates here at Cole, he cannot believe it in the middle of the ground. Welcome to the D-Net Stumps podcast. Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket show with expert analysis by Dean Duplessis.
1: Hello and welcome to the Dean at Stunt podcast with me, Dean Duplessis. Great to have you along again. And in this week's podcast, we are going to be catching up with a man who captivated a lot of younger people, albeit for a very short period of time. He debuted for Zimbabwe in his first test match back in uh, on the 19th of April in 2001 against Bangladesh at Queen's Sports Club in Bulawayo. And then sadly played his last test match for Zimbabwe in India, obviously against India, in March of 2002. His nickname is Bulbs, uh, amongst many other nicknames. He was seriously quick on his day. And like I said, a combination of crazy hairstyles and pace had a lot of people captivated. I am, of <laughs> course, referring to Brighton Tondirai Watamba. Bright,
0: how are you doing? Hey, Dina. I'm well, my friend. How are you? I am
1: very, very well. Do you know that it's been close to 20 years since you and I last spoke?
0: I know that's absolutely insane you know like time just flies by in a flash it's ridiculous to think that
1: it's 20 years ago it really really
0: is and you know i'll say this your voice hasn't changed one little bit my friend yeah and i was
1: actually just about to say the same to you luckily neither of yours i'm i'm so happy that because you've been all over the world so you haven't had one of these weird fake concocted sort of american (laughs) or whatever accents you still sound very very zimbabwean
0: Thanks. I'm very happy to hear that. I still feel very Zimbabwean. Uh, the last time I was there was, I think, uh, three years ago. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I you know, my roots are my roots, you know. And as you say, I've been, <laughs> I've been all over the place, you know. And I think that's probably another reason why, probably, um, I, you know, haven't you know, being able to pick up other accents. Uh, I think every once in a while, you might hear a little American twang, (laughs) but uh, I did live in the States for seven years. Uh, But then of course, when I moved to Belgium, um, you know, English isn't the primary uh, language there and there. Most of my mates were expats. So I was surrounded by mainly English, you know, English, English, uh, South African English, American English, you know, all sorts. So (laughs) you just kind of go back to, you know,
1: yeah. Go back to yours those base roots. Point, yeah. Yeah. Baseline, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's it, it's nice. But you sound a little bit like the lead singer of a rock band who I follow by the name of Seether. And Sean Morgan, the lead singer of Seether, has a very similar accent to yours. Now and then there'll be a, a bit of an American twang, but he's South African. And predominantly, you know, he will still say... Uh, tomato instead of tomato and uh, you oh know, god uh, yeah no, you'll
0: never hear me saying really you know, is <laughs> a tomato and a potato is a potato yeah absolutely. <laughs> I do not see them by the way, I wasn't aware that the guy was from South Africa but yeah. yeah, absolutely yeah,
1: Sean Morgan Valchemut is his full name and uh, Dale Stewart oh, wow. the bass okay, player is also South African. that's very South African for sure <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going we're gonna to have a bit of a chat about your career just now but l- let's just find out what have you been doing with, with yourself, what are you doing to, to keep a little bit of bread on the table these days?
0: Um, oof, Jesus, I mean, where do I start? So, yeah, I mean, I lived in the States for seven years. I went to university there. I finished my university there because I started in Grahamstown and Rhodes. Okay. Um, and then I quit actually to play cricket. And then uh, when I quit uh, for Zim, uh, I went to Miami and I studied economics there. And, yeah, I mean, long and short, I ended up going to Belgium. I think it's around 12 years ago now. And there I started working for Johnson & Johnson. Uh, In fact, that's how I got into the medical industry. Uh, I'm still there today. I'm not in J&J, but uh, I work for a company called Takeda. And a year ago, um, they transferred me to, well, obviously I had the choice, but uh, I chose to move to Zurich. So I've been here for a year, and what a year to move. I mean, you know, I I remember moving. Um, I left Belgium on the 20th of January last year.
1: Yes.
0: And I arrived, and I remember the first headline in the newspapers the next day. Donald Trump was flying into Zurich to go to Gstaad. Oh, yes. um, and, you know, that was the main headline. You know, Trump flies in today, blah, blah, blah. And there's a little headline on the front page as well. That was, uh, yeah, this mysterious Chinese virus, as Donald Trump called it. You know, there's a mysterious virus in China, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then the world went pear-shaped after that. You know, I was in the office here in Zurich for six weeks. Um, And then I've been working from home since. So it's been quite an interesting year. I really don't know anyone here. And when I've had the chances to travel, of course, I go back to Belgium to see the kids. So, I, you know, I go back to Belgium as often as I can. But at the moment, um, obviously, everything's on lockdown and it's just, yeah, it's impossible. So it's been a very, very um, weird year, I think, for everyone. I mean, there's no one this hasn't impacted, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I think... uh, you know, the situation in Europe is, you know, in the summer was a little bit more tenable, but we knew that, you know, the second wave was coming. Now we're in the third wave. And, you know, we're just all waiting for the vaccine. And hopefully that'll come soon. So life can go back to normal, you know,
1: are you are you a believer of the vaccine? If it's available, becomes available, will be you be one of the first to to take it?
0: Mate, I work in a pharmaceutical company, you know, we are making a vaccine of our own, you know, I am, a you know, Dead, dead sir, for sure. As soon as it's available, I'll be right there, right. like a bear.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's so many, um, I suppose, conflicting opinions on it, isn't it? I mean, uh, but if you if you think about it, you you have your animals uh, injected with a vaccine to prevent rabies, and and uh, as little babies, uh, kids are also vaccinated for various things as well. So, uh, but this uh, apparently is a bit different. But I'm I don't know enough about well, it. You to, know,
0: you yeah. know I, I have a very simple thing, you know, to anyone who's in doubt, which is fair. I think it's very fair yeah. to, to you know, to question things and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's simple. Read a book. Yes. You know, like, yes. the, it's so well documented, the impact. You know, you've got the different kind of um, <clears throat> vaccines that are being manufactured. You know, the Pfizer one is, you know, using RNA, read, read up on what RNA is. Yeah. You know, and then you've got the other ones which are using Already existing flu vaccine strains to combat COVID. You know, they just add a little bit of you know the COVID factor into that. And you know, I take the flu vaccine every single year anyway. So why wouldn't I take the COVID one? You know, when you read and you actually see the science that's gone into it, you see the efficacy, you see the safety features. You know, like all the safety research that's been done on it. It's not new what these guys are doing. You know, it's you know technology that existed before, it's just been adapted for this particular strain of flu. And yeah, it's a no-brainer in my view.
1: Fascinating, absolutely fascinating to hear it from somebody who works in a pharmaceutical company. All right, now let's get into the meat and potatoes and let's talk cricket. Um, you, like I said, I, I remember watching you in the late 1990s and very early 2000s when you played uh, in Mashonaland and for Mashonaland. In fact, you actually played alongside my brother a couple of times, to be honest. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, you did. That's correct. Yeah, I remember the two mm-hmm. of you bowling together quite nicely. Um, on the odd occasion. um, But now, take us, and I know it's a question that we often ask so many sports people, but it's a question I never get tired of asking because there's always a beautiful answer. Take us right back to where cricket, how did you find cricket or did cricket find you?
0: So, well, it's quite simple. You know, cricket found me. Uh, Everything goes back to my parents. You know, uh, they made a decision uh, to send me to Lofordia uh, wonderful, wonderful school. You know, uh, you know the Campbell family, uh, the school itself, you know, every time I'm back in Zim, I always make a point to drop in at La And, of course, that's where everything started. You know, to me, cricket was a game which I didn't even know mm. when I arrived at La Fortia. And um, I was very, very fortunate to be at La in the same year as a couple of really... You know, I mean people who you will know, uh, you know, I just happened to find myself alongside Trevor Mondo oh, wow. and Callan Davies, to name a few. You know, you've got your Graham Ferreras, a whole bunch of guys, you know, Costa Manusa, you know, all these guys yes. who were um at LaFordia with me, and we all started playing basically at the same time. And you know, I mentioned them because you know, Callan and Trevor had s- such huge personalities. I mean, Trev was, you know, ridiculously talented. But he had the charisma to go with that you know everyone had an opinion on him uh you know and i was extremely privileged you know to be really good friends with him we spent a lot of time together you know we were family friends as well so we'd spend holidays and everything together you know so we grew up in this close really like tightly knit bond of guys you know who were thrown together by fate and who just happened to have a few talented players in our age group at a very small school. So everyone had to stand up and be counted. And I was always competing to be as good or better than these guys, you know. So really, I owe everything from my perspective, you know, from a curriculum perspective in my life uh, to Lawfordia. And that I'll never forget. And I'll, you know, it's just a fact. It's a pure fact.
1: And w- when then did you realize, because as you said, you you went to university, but then you quit university, in order to play cricket i mean that that's that's a very very big and bold and brave move And uh, do, do you looking back at it now do you think that that backfired or would you still is it something that you would never regret doing
0: well i think there's no regrets i mean if i just give you a little insight into exactly what happened yeah so i went to uh Rhodes in 98 i think it was yeah. and you know, while I was there, actually, I went there injured. Uh, I had played in a board 11 game, uh, like, one or two weeks before I left. And um, I dislocated my shoulder, uh, diving for a ball. Uh, and stupidly, I threw it at the stumps as well. In the end, it turned out I'd actually taken the catch. I didn't realize that. And I'd gone for the run out. But it was with my right arm, you know. Yeah. And that throw, like, further threw my shoulder out. So... I wasn't able to play cricket at Rhodes my first uh, semester. And then um, as it happened in the final semester, <laughs> I got uh, another injury. This one was a bit of a crazy one. Just the day before school opened, actually, uh, we were in Port Alfred at, bo- at at boat races and I somehow took it in my stupid head that we're going to go car surfing right right so i was was riding on top of this car uh, on the bonnet of this car and the guy was going a bit too fast and he braked and i went flying off and uh, you know this was in a car park and wow I, i was actually quite lucky because I had the awareness to kind of lift my head. In the end, the the wheel just, like, hit my head, so oh. no injuries on my head. That's but uh, I had, like, you know, my legs were scraped through, you know, like, properly raw. And I was in crutches for, like, a week or two, you know. So I missed <laughs> the first few games of the season. In the end, at Rhodes itself, I only ever played two uh, cricket matches, right, for wow. Rhodes' first team. Wow. Um, one on campus, which... Uh, in the end, was rained off. And I'd been to a party the night before. And I, I don't know why, but we used to color our hair. And even <laughs> though I'd showered in the morning, I had um, apparently I'd had green colors in my hair the night before. And, you know, on my cricket whites, when it started raining, they just became green, you know? So that was quite embarrassing. But luckily the game was, in the end, rained off, so no result. And then the only other game I played was at... Um, <clears throat> at borders ground uh buffalo park buffalo park i yes. uh, can't remember that team and that was the one game which i played fully while i was at university uh for Rhodes. as it happened at the end of the semester you have south africa universities week so we went to the universities week and everything for me changed then you know these guys saw me bowl for the first time properly and i mean i was top wicket taker in the week And I actually played one less game because of rain than the guy who was tied with me. And we won every single game. But uh, the thing that happened was that um, a lot of um, um, clubs during that week, obviously you have like scouts who are coming to watch. And they started approaching my manager and he started taking numbers of all these South African clubs that were interested in me coming to play. And you know, all of this was happening And at the end of the week, you know, there was a whole, it it was actually my first exposure to politics and cricket as well, because my coach was in constant contact, apparently, with the selectors for, you know, they pick a South African universities team at the end of the week. And he was like, dude, you know, like, there's no doubt you're the best bowler here, but I'm telling you now, just to keep your expectations very, very low, you're not going to make the South African universities team, you're the right color. You're the wrong nationality. You know, like if you're a black South African, you would be golden. You're a Zimbabwean, you're black, no one cares. It's just you're a Zimbabwean, you've got no chance, you know. So, (laughs) you know, all these things were like playing in my head, especially these guys who are approaching my coach, you know, and – at the end of the week, uh, we had the, you know, the the big ball and the, we had a huge fines meeting with my university, you know, and I was absolutely hammered up by the time. I couldn't even remember any of the night, but apparently I was selected for South African University's team in the end. Right. And, you know, long story short, I got back to Zim. Uh, and, you know, I'd given it a lot of thought. I remember actually driving back. Uh, by the way, Brian Murphy was in that team with me as well. But I remember driving back to Zim with Graham Ferreira, who had also been playing. He was at Vitz, I think. or No, no, he was at Durban or Natal or something. Uh, but I drove back to Zim with him. And we were just talking the whole way. And, you know, I had a lot on my mind. And by the time we got to Harare, I decided that I was going to drop out. So even, you know, my coach, no one knew that I decided that I was going to drop out. Um, at the end, I had to convince my parents and that was a very tactical thing. And I remember when I got home, you know, Graham dropped me off at home. Um, my mom was home and, you know, we'd like did the greetings. We hadn't seen each other for half a year or whatever it was. Yes, yeah. And then, you know, I immediately just like unloaded on. Her. I'm like, mom, you know, I think we need to make a decision. I need your help. I, do not want to go back. I think I have to play cricket. You know, I've got all these offers uh, in South Africa, and it's just, you know, this is what I want. It's what I've always wanted, and I think I can do it. So I remember crying, you know, my mom was like, you know, she's always been so, you know, as my dad, mm. you know, been very, very supportive about my cricket. Uh, But, you know, my dad was really set on me finishing my university and then deciding what I wanted to do. But I thought the time was right. So, you know, with my mom's help, we're able to convince my dad. And uh, that's when, uh, you know, I dropped out of uni and really started focusing on, you know, playing for Zim, ultimately playing for Zim. So that was end of 98, I think. Uh, I think uh, 98 or 99. And then I made my debut two years later, which by my own reckoning, you know, I I think that it was a year uh, over, uh, you know, it was a year later than I would have expected. But, you know, in the end it happened. So, yeah. So, yeah, no, that was a big motivation, you know, uh, all this stuff that was happening in South Africa. And I just knew the time was right.
1: The nice thing as well, I would imagine, Brighton, is that you, whether you were playing, you know, although you, didn't play, you only played two games for, for Rhodes, but even so, the pool of players you would have met, I bet you a lot of them went on to represent South Africa at provincial level or, or even, you know, representing the country at test level, I would imagine.
0: Absolutely. In fact, uh, at that university's week, um, Randolph Afrikaans University, Raoul, uh, you know it's a cricketing powerhouse in okay. South Africa, and they had been demoted the year before to Division Two. So I didn't actually get to play against them. But the reason why they were demoted is because most of their players were always away playing provincial, etc. And as it happened, actually that very week, uh, a certain player named David Te- Tebrucha, remember Oh Tebrucha?
1: yes, medium pacer. Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, He had just made his debut for South Africa, so he wasn't in the Rouse squad. But, uh, you know, they always had things like this. You know, they had such a good team, but, you know, for the universities week, their players were always playing provincial. So, you know, indeed, I obviously played against quite a few guys who would make it. Uh, A funny story, actually, is that um, one of the guys who was in my Rhodes team, I would play against a year or two later playing for the board 11 against border at Buffalo Park. And, um, you know, (laughs) it was one of those games where I had been batting. I batted at 11, and I went into bat, and Trevor Madondo was on, I can't remember what he was on, but all I had to do was hold up my end, you know, because he was getting very close to a ton. Yes. And these guys were sledging me, and, you know, it was a – it was a very, very specialised sled because they obviously knew my stories of Rhodes and they were using that and I got really, really upset. So Trevor had to get in between, you know, and Justin, you know, the guy who I, I knew from Rhodes wasn't really saying anything himself. He was the captain of that border team, but he wasn't sledging me himself, but he'd obviously given his team enough ammunition to come at me and I was absolutely pissed. And then to make matters worse, <clears throat> I was given out LBW uh, with Trevor on 98. So I left Trev uh, stranded on 98. And you know, I had bees, you know, I was like, my head was buzzing, walking off that field, you know, Trevor tried to speak to me and I just like walked off. I remember getting into the change room and chucking my bat and you know, I was pissed and I just went and warmed up. And that was one of the quickest spells I ever bowled. And I remember Justin, you know, this guy um, refusing to run in my first spell. Uh, I took two or three wickets in my first two or three overs and he was on the non-strikers end at one point and he refused to run and ran his mate out because he didn't want to face, you know? So (laughs) that was, um, you know, that was quite a funny story, but yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, if I think in terms of um, the guys who really did go on, you know, Nick Pathos was part of that ROW team Uh, as well and there were a few other guys, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, the universities are a big um, breeding ground for South Africa t- uh test team. Yeah,
1: mm, absolutely. And then back you came to Zimbabwe, back to a, 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 a you know sort of a territory which you knew, which you loved, and you grew up. And I'd like you to tell me about some of the tussles that you had with some of the more <coughs> senior batsmen. Um, what was it like bowling to? I would imagine, to someone like a Murray Goodwin, Alistair Campbell, and, and Andy Flower in particular. You know, would, Andy always had the reputation of being an exceptionally good player of spin bowling, but uh, did he also handle himself pretty well when, when dealing with your, your, your quick bowling and short-pitch bowling? Could he, could he duck and weave and hook and
0: pull? Oh, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to remember. It's such a long time ago, 20 yeah. years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but it's interesting you mentioned Murray's name first because he does stick, you know, he comes to mind very, very quickly. I remember um, coming to Nets once, and there was a short guy. I I can't remember why, you know, I was like a net bowler, so I wasn't in the the national squad at the time, but I would just turn up at Nets, and I was playing as much cricket as I could. And I remember turning up at Nets once, and there's this guy, you know, shorter than I'd seen at Nets before. I didn't recognize him. I don't know who the hell he was, right? (laughs) So I did my warm-up, and my first ball was a loosener, short. And he smashed the pants out of it. You know, like uh, we were in the sports club B-nets. Right. And I mean, this ball went flying past the Zimbabwe Cricket Union headquarters. Oh, wow. You know, it no, was almost big. in Mugabe's house. You know, that's how big it was. That's big. And I'm like, who the hell is this? You know, so I go and fetch my ball, take my time, get a bit loose. So by the time I got back... I was properly, properly loose, and I sent a quick bouncer at him. He went to pull it, and he had to duck, you know, and I nearly, nearly took him out. Yeah. And when he finished batting, he came and he, like, introduced himself. Hey, what's up? You know, my name is Murray. and in this Australian. accent. I am like, oh, cool, nice to meet you. I, I had no idea who he was. <laughs> right. And then, of course, it turned out to be Murray Goodwin, who was just an amazing, amazing guy, you know. Like, I got on well with him. He got on well with everyone, I yes, think. Yes, he did. He did. You know, so – I don't recall, and I would have bowled to him, to Andy, to all these guys so many times, Uh, you know, even in games, you know, in nets, obviously, but I don't recall too much about games with these guys. You know, no one comes to mind um, when when I think of someone who was particularly difficult to bowl to or someone who would go after me. Um, You know, there's one time when someone did get a hold of me um and that's a surprising person actually right um <clears throat> no it was douglas marilia
1: oh wow okay right yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> we were playing uh, actually it was a center wicket practice i think it was, it was a, like the second last practice before the one day matches against bangladesh began yeah, yeah um and you know we're bowling and we we've gotten dug out but of course being a center wicket practice you know you've got another life But I think in his mind, he was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm definitely not going to play in the series. So he just threw all caution to the wind. And, you know, the first time ever I saw, which I hate that it's called this, but the Dilshan shot. First time I ever, ever saw it. Douglas Murillo played it much before Dilshan. Yes, he did. And he played it off me.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was like, what the hell did I just see? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like. Dude, is that allowed? You know, like, <laughs> it was just one of those moments. You're like, that is incredible. And I just kept coming harder and harder at him. And I remember pitching one outside the old stump, and he drove me over extra cover. And this was at Alex. He drove me over extra cover, uh, over the trees at Alex. Oh,
1: wow.
0: Over the, You know that road, that double road? I forget what it's called. That very goes well. Towards Avendown, that we,
1: I know the one. Yes, I know it very well.
0: Yeah, yeah. He drove me over the trees. Over the road and it landed by the houses on the other side and that is by far not only the biggest six I've ever been hit for but the biggest six I've ever hit I've ever seen in my life it was massive you know he timed the pants out of it and he's a guy who comes to mind when you say you know like yeah who you know he took me apart that day and you know in the same way that we would got him out early in that practice session, he effectively took me out of the running for the one-day <laughs> games as well. So, you know, it was tit for tat. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, actually I have him, I reckon, to blame for never playing a one-day game with him. <laughs> but, um, you know, so that was with Dougie. Um, thinking there was someone else... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one other person, in my view, the most, I mean, without doubt, the best batsman Zimbabwe ever produced, and this is including Hickster, um, you know, Dave Houghton. Jesus. I remember bowling to him the first time. I was still at Falcon and I was playing for Queens or BAC first team, and OH came to Bulawayo. And, you know, even at Falcon, you know, I had people jumping around and Dave had so much time you know like it was like what's the point of even trying to bowl quick to him he's got so much time you know and even though you know he batted you know it wasn't extremely spectacular or anything like that but as a bowler you know who's coming in running and bowling as fast as you can and someone has that much time on you that left a big 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 impression
1: on me. I'm, I'm glad. Impression. I'm glad you mentioned Dave Harton because, in my opinion, he was the best batsman Zimbabwe produced. Oh,
0: without a yeah, doubt,
1: without yeah, a doubt. I, I, I totally agree with you on that, and it's it's good to hear you say that. Now, fast forward to 2001. The date was the 19th of April, and Bangladesh were here in Zimbabwe. We've already alluded to that, and you got to make your debut. Now, uh, it, it's very interesting because that period Brighton was a very interesting period of Zimbabwe cricket so Zimbabwe won that series by two Test matches to know and it was a decent it was a decent bowling attack so he streaks spearheaded the the attack obviously and then you had yourself Andy Bluchnote, blockchnote mulelemkala so four pretty good seamers um and and obviously Bangladesh still very young and inexperienced but you you just seem to Ooh. be very at home when you made your debut it didn't seem to me like you had any big match nerves is that Is that how you felt or was it just the way that you looked on the outside?
0: So, um, I have to say I was very, very comfortable on the field against Bangladesh. Uh, There's a few reasons for that. Um, You know, as a debut goes... And I don't mean any disrespect to Bangladesh. You know, they were you yeah. know you know new boys. You know, they yeah. were newcomers. They were very very inexperienced. And yes. uh, they had just come off. I think they played one test against India. That's correct. Um, and I think they drew that. I think uh, anyway. You know, it was a soft debut, as far as I'm concerned. And mm-hmm. what made it even softer is that I had played against them just a few days before in the three day game right. with Zim A. So I picked up a 4 quite comfortably and, you know, uh, I can't remember who was captaining that team, but I wanted to keep going to get my 5 you know, and they stopped me from bowling and I think at the time they were just told, you know, get him off, get him off, he's going to be playing next week. Yes. So it was, for those reasons, a very soft debut, you know, and I I make a specific point of saying it was a soft debut on the field. (coughs) Off the field, a lot of things were going on, Dino. Yes, a lot. It's you know I alluded to politics you know I first saw that at Rhodes and you know there was always there was always something in Zim you know I I think after I left Zim I used to refer to cricket as a cursed sport because mm-hmm. I saw the same politics in the states as well i saw it in Belgium you know everywhere you go there's just always conflict with cricket right mm-hmm. but um, on my debut and uh, you know <laughs> there was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you know, like, there, there was, you know, the guys who wanted to go on strike uh, yes. over money, yes, right? And I got into this... Th- the funny thing is, you know, I was so oblivious at the time, you know. I was focusing on my own game, you know. I was chuffed with how I played against Bangladesh in the warm-up game, and now I wanted to come at them, you know. And the night before, I was... Uh, Having just a quiet drink with Alistair and I can't remember, it was Dave Hartman or Carl Rackman at the time.
1: Probably Carl Rackman.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it was Rackers, and I love Rackers to bit, sir. And, you know, the whole issue on money came up, and I was already very, very disappointed uh, with the fact that, you know, Blicknote, um, Deion O'Brien, and myself were making our test debuts. And, you know, you would expect some kind of fanfare. You know, we've worked our butts off yeah. to get here. You know, it was just everything. It was a crowning glory to everything I had done, you know, all the decisions I've made, all the practice i would put in. You know, it was where I wanted to be. You know, I'm home. This is where I'm supposed to be. And yet it was just, you know, drowned in this sea of politics, of money games, of whatever, you know, like, it was insane. And, you know, I was speaking to Alistair and I'm like, you know, I'm excited. You know, I was really excited. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, but all this talk is distracting. Dude, I'm making my freaking debut tomorrow. you yeah, yeah. And I said some things to Alistair. And, and I remember one thing I said, uh, which in the end, you know, was very much taken out of con- uh, context which had some major repercussions actually is I said to to Elsie, you know, like you guys are overpaid and I didn't mean it like that. You know, what I meant was that, you know, compared to what I was on a D contract at the time, you know, I remember sometimes I just, you know, anyway, you know, like it was peanuts, you know, but so I was in context. I meant that, you know, like compared to what I'm making, you guys are making a lot. And I don't know how much they earn to this day. I don't know how much they were making, Right. but you know, it got taken out of context in that, uh, you know, apparently Alistair told all the senior players that, oh, Bulb Sinks, that we overpaid, blah, blah, blah. And next day, no one would speak to me. Only the youngsters, uh, Blige, you know, Psych, uh, you know, uh, Diggers. Yes. You know, they're the only ones who spoke to me. And when I got my first uh, wicket, uh, I was so grateful. You know, I was hoping it would be LBW or Bald or something. But in the end, it was caught at second or third slip yes. by Blige. And, you know, I was chaffed and there were like four of us who were celebrating. Everyone else, all the senior players, were just standing at the slip court. None of them came to congratulate me on my first test. You know, like even if it's not your first test wicket, you know, any time a teammate takes a wicket, regardless of what's going on behind the scenes, you know, you are, you celebrate. You know, you. You acknowledge that he's working for the team. But, you know, it was insane. I couldn't believe it. And at the time, I wasn't sure why. I wasn't sure exactly what had happened, you know. And then I was told afterwards that you said this. And then I tried to clarify, you know, the context in which I said it. But, it, you know, that damage had been done, you know. Like, yeah. it was just insane. And, you know, those money conversations never stopped. Huh? You nice know, uh, you know, in your message the other day, uh, you sent me the link to some of the podcast you know it's the part pod- to your podcast yes and i listened to a few the first one i listened to was from kumar sangakara huge huge fan of kumar and i remember playing against him in sri lanka uh for zim a i think in 2000
1: oh yes i flew yes.
0: from england yeah, yeah yeah and i remember you know they were saying like this guy's super talented but he's his work ethic is not great you know yeah. his progression over the years. So, you know, I wanted to hear what he'd said, you know, especially in lights likes of his recent retirement and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed that podcast. And there's a reason why I watched his first, because uh, I saw there was some interesting ones, I think, from some of the Zim players yes. um, that I really wanted to listen to. But I knew that for Kumar's um, podcast, it was really about the cricket, you know? And I knew that as soon as I started getting into the Zim guys, you know, the politics would come up, obviously, because that's what anyone is going to talk about from anyone from that generation. So I ended up listening to uh, one from Cumber, uh, one from Diva, and Raymond Price. Raymond Price. I really enjoyed Razor's one. Um, I really, really enjoy that. Um, But indeed, you know, like, this was the beginning for me, you know, and don't get me wrong, the money issues had started when these guys were touring in England, you know, and I was playing in England that time, in fact, in 2000. Uh, and I went to watch uh, one of their warm-up games. I was playing in Hertfordshire, and I went with a couple of my teammates uh, from my club from my club side yep. in Hertfordshire. And we went to watch uh, Zim playing one of the warm-up games. And I remember these guys watching, you know, everything, you know, all the money things that started, and Zim was in the news. They're in England. They're not happy. They're threatening to boycott, blah, 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 blah. And I go and watch just a few, uh, you know, for a few hours. Yeah. And... I remember in an interview I did with, um, what's his name? John, I I forget his name. Jonathan Agnew. Um, That's it, yeah. Uh, No, no, not John Agnew. Um, The guy in Zim, he worked for cricket. Oh, yes, yes, John Ward. Yes, yeah. John? Yes. John Ward, John John Ward, yeah. We went to watch this this war again. I remember just like my my club mates in England were like, dude, what are you doing playing for us when you've got those guys playing for Zim? It was what i described as a pop gun attack like it was just i felt embarrassed for zimbabwe cricket to be there watching this with guys who i'm playing club cricket for in england saying dude what are you doing playing with us when you've got that on your national team you know so it's 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 one of those things you know like i don't know the politics, maybe it was too early for me. If it was too early for me, it was certainly too early for some of the people on that tour as well. But um, at the end of the day, it was just a recurring aspect of playing for Zimbabwe cricket. You know that um, the incident with Alistair, it broke apart. There was something in me that broke, you know, from that day, from how I saw people react, you know, teammates regardless of what's happening off the field, like I said, you know, you're still teammates. You're representing your country. You know, when you're there, you know, I'm willing to put heart and soul into what I'm doing for you guys. And it it was just disgusting. And every single tour, every single one, you know, that was Bangladesh. A couple of months later, India came, and same thing, you know, the money discussions again, and it's just, oh, you know, no, no, you know, I just want to enjoy the game, and, you know, it was just one of those things that, you know, where you just genuinely love the game, you know, and it's not just me, you know, I know Blicknote felt the same, Travis Friend felt the same, you know, we're all just caught up in this thing that was well over and above our heads. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that these guys should have been disputed. It should not have been disputed, you know. I'm not saying that at all. The fact is, you know, these guys were the heart and core of Zimbabwe cricket. They had taken Zim cricket into the test arena. They had performed in many cases punching above their weights, you know. And for sure, I believe this, I know this. They were undercompensated compared to everyone else. But the situation is different, right? And this blends into something that would happen after that is, you know, I had a little incident and we can talk about this one a little bit later Mm. um, at the Zimbabwe Cricket Awards once when one of the black guys approached me and started like trying to fight me in the middle of an awards ceremony, right? And... uh, and you've got this balance where, you know, it's like a seesaw where, you know, these guys are pushing for more money to be paid to the team, to the senior players, whatever it was. And then you've got a counter on the, you know, where these guys want more money to go towards this, towards... And I'm like sitting in the middle and I'm like, yeah, but there's surely not enough money to go around.
1: Mm, yes.
0: You know, like, how is this going to work? Anyway, it was just... Always, there was always something. You know, the one tour, you know, the only tour I actually went on with the national team to India. Yes. Was, uh, which was my last test, uh, was uh, the one where there was no discussions of money. You know, it was just playing cricket. And of course, you know, I I think it's well known. I absolutely hated playing on flat decks, especially in test cricket. And I did not enjoy bowling in India at all. <laughs> But, you know, it's just like every single time there's discussions about money, there's discussions about races. This is always something, you know, you could never just get out there and enjoy playing for your country. And that was the most disappointing thing for me. And at the end, it was also the reason why it was so easy for me to leave. Really, really, really.
1: Did you did you ever at any point feel victimized in terms of race? So there's two ways of it. Uh, you know, did you ever feel be made to feel uncomfortable by any of the white cricketers, or the flip side? Did any of the black cricketers make you feel uncomfortable? Because obviously you you know um you you're very very educated and a a lot of the the black cricketers may possibly have felt that you um had more tendencies to be a coconut i suppose is the expression that people that a lot of people would use
0: (laughs) yeah that was thrown out to me a few times i mean yeah so be it but um no so in terms of um race so i mean you alluded to the schools i went to to my you know whatever. Um, I knew most of that group, right? In fact, Raymond Price was the last guy. Raymond and Travis were the two guys who I hadn't known for a lot longer than anyone else. Obviously, Murray and Jono had gone by the time I came. I only knew them for a short time. But um, basically, I knew these guys from a long, long time before, you know. Even, you know, Andy and Grant, even when I was at school, I'd come in contact with these guys. So by the time I was, uh, you know, playing there or thereabouts with the national team, there was no one who was a genuine surprise to me, and for sure, no one, none of the white guys who would be racist to my face. You know? Right, right. To my face. Yes. Now, what was happening behind closed doors is a completely different matter, and I can't comment about that. I had my own issues with certain people, uh, but you know, there was never any overt racism uh, that I saw at me at any given time, except one. All right. And that was an interesting one because it was by Andy Flower. Uh, except that it wasn't racist in what he said; it was his, in his action. And uh, I'll give the, the, you know, the story in context so that you can see what I mean, and I'm not slandering Andy. Of course. But uh, we had um, a sense of wicked practice before the Indian um, test matches in Harare, just before we flew to Bulawayo for the first test. Right. And you know, we're just bowling whatever. I'm bowling probably the three quarter, you know, not pushing at all. And Andy comes in, and he starts going ballistic. You know, he's just swinging. I'm like, oh, that's a bit strange, you know. Like, okay, it's Andy Flower. He probably feels good today, you know. Let him be. So he starts swinging. And then as it continues, it's like he's only slogging. You know, so we're all bowling from one end, so four or five bowlers at the same time. Right. And uh, he was only swinging at the Black Plains. Right. And, Yeah. You, do you know the story? No.
1: I, I, I know that there was a bit of a fracas, but um, I, I obviously didn't know that. I don't know the full uh, story. No. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So eventually it dawns on me that he's swinging at only the black players. And, I, and, and so I start actually looking for it, right? And sure enough, if it was Diva, he'd have a swing. If it was Psych, he'd have a swing. If it was Henry, he'd have a swing. Travis, nothing. Uh, Blige, nothing. I'm like, what the hell? So, of course, you know, I started bowling quicker and coming hard at him, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, he, he was literally swinging at everything. You know, there were times when he was halfway through his swing and he'd have to duck because the ball was going to hit him on the head. And he got a hold of me. I remember one shot, he got a hold of me and hit me for a very big six over fine leg, you know, he, he used the pace of the ball. But, you know, I just lost it. I completely lost it. And I just shouted at him in the middle. You know, everyone heard it. Like, I, I properly shouted at him. I was like, you know, India's here next week, let's see you bat like this, you know, and there was a bit of shock, you know, no one spoke to Andy Flower like that, you know, yeah. but I was that pissed off that if it come to blows, I would have been up for it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, as it happened, a week and a half later, we played testing against India, and uh, another time I got really pissed off in the change rooms. Zim's batting was atrocious I mean it was a flat just a beautiful beautiful batting deck you know and India skittled us like it was a joke you know it like it, it was embarrassing and I lost it in the change rooms but one of the things is that Andy went out and he obviously felt the same way I did and he just started smashing. I mean, in a test match, he was yes, playing he did, like it was a T20. I match, do recall you know? that, yeah. Back then, we didn't have T20, but like he was just swinging, caning these guys. And I remember he went out to just a brilliant, brilliant. I think it was Nera Bjorka. Uh, yes. And by the way, at this time, you know, Andy and I haven't said a word to each other since that incident, right? You know, in the change rooms, I would not be anywhere near him. Cold shoulder, nothing, not a word. Test, you know, these are, you know, we colleagues, you know, we test teammates and we haven't spoken for a week and a half. We have breakfast together, whatever, we don't speak. And so Andy gets out to this amazing, amazing Yorker from NERA and he comes back, you know, he goes into the change room. You know, I clapped him off it was a great innings, you know, that I wasn't going to say anything to him at all after that. And he comes back from taking his pads off and he like taps me from behind. So I turn around and I see it's Andy Flower. And immediately I, like, went into, like, defensive mode, you know? (laughs) He's like, Bob, what do you think of that? And I'm like, I think he made 48, by the way, on that day. Uh, And he's like, what do you think of that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, very aggressively, like, what are you talking about? He's like, remember what you said to me last week? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, when you said to me, I want to see you bat like that against the Indians. And I just started laughing, and that broke the ice, you know, and then we're good after that. But that was an example of, you know, where – You know, Andy was not the most outgoing person. Uh, He's not the most forthright, forthcoming person, you know. And he always had an an air of intimidation around him. So where with his brother, with Alistair, you know, those guys, you know, I could joke around with, you know, I could mess around with them. With Andy, there was always this, like, he was very aloof, you know. So it was really symbolic for him to do something like that. And it, it, you know... I mean, you can imagine how I felt about that. And it was just, you know, look, uh, there were things going, again, I was so oblivious to things that were going on. I had no idea. People had to explain to me what's going on behind the scenes, you know, with regards to race. I didn't know anything was happening. You know, I'm just focused on my own game. I do my own thing. So, you know, I, I just think from Andy that was extremely irresponsible. It's not the way that you go. About making a point, at least in my view, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was very disappointed in that and, you know, I lost really a lot of respect for Andy over that incident. You know, and I watched his success with England as well after that and I was extremely happy for him but I always had that in my mind, that 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 particular incident in my mind. So that was the one big thing with uh, any white players. That was the only thing I ever actually saw myself. With the black guys, um... It was a, a few months after that. So India toured in June, I think. Um, in December, we had the in December or January, there was an awards event. Uh, you know, the Zimbabwe Cricket Union um, annual awards event, yes. and it was at um, in sport, at Harare Sports Club in the new change facility. You know, in the chain in the new the grand enclosure club.
1: area. Yes, yeah.
0: And uh, you know, the awards had finished. And I was sitting uh, by the bar, having a drink with Grant, and this guy comes up and starts speaking to me and Shona aggressively, and starts pushing me. And I'm like, "Who is this guy?" You know, like. And then it got like quite violent, you know, I had to like start defending myself and yeah. stuff. And I can't remember what he was saying, but he like, you know, to, to the effect of, ah, you, the white guys, blah 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 blah, whatever," you know. And I'm like, "Who is this guy?" And in the end, it turns out to be. um, And maybe you can tell me what his Maconi. Well, what was his first name? Was it Givemore or Given? (laughs) Given, given Givemore. Givemore.
1: Givemore. Maconi. Yes, that's correct. Givemore. Yeah.
0: So I think everyone used to call him Given. Given. Anyway, I'd never. uh, I I didn't know this guy from you know from a bar of soap, and I'm like, who does he think he is, you know? So I kind of like people told me afterwards he plays for. I don't know, I don't know, I, I, I can't remember which team it was, but I was like, okay, fine, you know, apparently he's got a problem with me, I don't know who he is, I don't care. I didn't think too much about it at the time, oh, yeah. until something happened uh, very shortly afterwards, and, you know, Trevor had passed in June, right? He passed the day before my birthday, I think, uh, while we are playing the test match in during the, the first test board. against India. Yes. And um, obviously, like I said, you know, the Madondos and my family were family friends. Trevor always used to stay at my parents' house. In fact, I remember turning up to Nets once and Trevor was in town. And I'm like, hey, Trev, what's up? I'm like, hey, not much. Where are you staying? He's like, oh, no, I'm staying at your parents' house. You know, it was that kind of thing. <laughs> That's true. just what he did. You know, he was family to yeah. us. So anyway, a few days or a few weeks after this incident happened, Tafazo Madondo, Trevor's younger brother, was apparently playing in a ter- in a in a one day game against. What, Dean, what what team was it? Was it Takashinga that Makoni was playing for?
1: Yes, it may have been. Or like uh, in those days, I think they were known as Uprising or uh, something of that of that nature. Yeah, something. Became...
0: Anyway, so those guys go to Matari yeah. And Tafadzwa sent me a message in the evening, by a text, and he's like, "Chum, you know, things were hectic today," and I'm like, "What happened?" And he wouldn't tell me. yeah. And he only eventually told me the story when he came to Harare, maybe a few weeks later. And I was absolutely pissed. Like, apparently this guy, Makoni had had a go at half. And he mentioned in context of Trevor and, you know, Trevor just died six months before and I lost the plot, you know, and I wanted this guy. I wanted him, you know, so we were uh, flying to India The on a Monday, I think, we left for the India series. And on the Sunday, we uh, Harari Sports Club were playing against this team. And this guy was playing. And and I, I wasn't supposed to play that game. Huh? And, you know, even sports club were trying to stop me from playing, but I refused. I played. And I took it very easy. But I remember um, when we were doing our warm ups we walked around the boundary. You know, we did a you know, jogged around the boundary and stuff, yes. and I stopped when we got to this team. And there's a few guys in there that I knew, you know, Patrick Gada, Sheppi, M- 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 you know, Makonura. Oh, you know. Yeah. So I was chatting with them, and when I finished talking to them, I pointed at Makoni and I said, Today, you're gonna die. And I carried on. And of course, you know, we start playing, and I think we batted first and we had a big total. You know, they were never gonna get anywhere near us. So I bowled just a couple of overs at the beginning or something, you know, very gentle. And I waited until he came in and then I went back on to bowl. And I didn't pitch one ball in his half. Uh, I stung him several times uh, and to the point that (laughs) he was batting with Amos. Do you remember Amos Maungwa?
1: Very well. He was
0: batting with Amos and he refused to run. So he refused to come back on strike. So when Amos was facing, you know, Uh, I'll just chuck a ball up, put the field out, chuck the ball up, let him get a single. And he refused to take any further singles to come and face me. So even Amos started sledging him. So I didn't have to say anything. But, you know, the point was made. This guy was a crap cricketer. You know, he was not a cricketer in my books. And, you know, for him to come and speak to me when he doesn't know me, I don't know him, and say things he has no idea about. You know, he had to pay, and he paid. I was very, very disappointed after I left to see that this guy – had, you know, somehow finagled his way into the ZCU and it was just so disappointing. You know, like, you know, what were his credentials? You know, I mean, okay, maybe you're going to tell me that uh, he had a university degree in accountancy and he was a really good, you know, money manager or something like that. I don't know if he did, then fair play, you know? Oh, maybe you'll tell me he was a good cricketer. I can categorically tell you that he wasn't. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, people like him were partly, res- well, m- you know, really responsible for killing Zim Cricket as such at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. So those were like incidents which stick in my mind with regards to the politics that were going around at the time, you know. And, you know, I I played six tests for Zim. Uh, I was on the scene for a very long time, you know, for three years, I think, I was on that scene. But the overriding memories are the negative memories, you know, and like I said, when I was listening to podcasts from uh, Kamba and Diva, you know, you really see that there were issues there at the time. I was so oblivious at so many points where, you know, everything caught up to me like a rushing train, you, you know, it's like you suddenly get caught up in the middle of something you're not even aware exists, you know, so it was, yeah, it wasn't the best of times. And in the end, it's just like, why, you know, who who actually benefited?
1: I guess from a positive perspective, Brighton, is that you were were lucky enough to play, as you say, six test matches, out of which three Zimbabwe won. So that's quite a nice strike rate uh, in terms of success. So two against Bangladesh and, then of course, the big one, uh, the test match that Zimbabwe beat India and were able to dedicate to your best friend, Trevor Madondo. How much do you remember about that?
0: Sorry, Dina, can you
1: repeat? How much do you remember about that particular test match that Zimbabwe dedicated to Trevor? Because he, he had literally just passed away. You would have been in yeah. emotional turmoil yeah. because you just lost your best friend. Four yeah. days later. Yes. So yeah. I
0: wasn't even able to go to his funeral, you know, in Matari because of that, you know? Yeah. So that was, yeah, I mean, that was a tough time. It was a really, really tough time dealing with this. And I'd seen Trev just before we'd gone to to Bullies, to Bulawer. Yes. And he didn't look well, you know. He checked himself out of the hospital and he didn't look well and we just didn't know what to do. And, you know, um, at the time, I think Darlington was really checking up on him and, you know, his mom was, like, getting in touch, like, please get Trev back to hospital. It was tough. It was a tough time, you know. And, you know, the amount, you know, how much I feel for that family and how much I miss Trev, you know, I still dream about him, you know, today, you know, like and his brother Taff, you know, who was to die a few years later as well. But, you know, it was tough. And for me, it was no doubt. You know, I was always going to play, and I was always going to dedicate it to Trev, you know. And, of course, you know, unfortunately, in my fourth over, I got an injury. So yes. I had... Yeah. Uh, I think I'd got a wicket in my in my first or second over, and then I pulled my hamstring. The hamstring thing was a long, you know, it was a recurring issue with me. But uh, so I didn't actually end up playing. A, if, if my only real contribution in that game was picking up the first wicket of the game. I do and then it, I watched yeah. as some really good performances. You know, Blechner really showed his talent, one of the most talented Zimbabwean mm-hmm. cricketers of all time. Huh? Mm-hmm. And he showed his talent on that day, you know, on that during that test. And we won it quite comfortably in the end, and it was nice. It was just, you know, you take a moment after the game and, you know, and just think about what you've done, you know. I mean, the other thing at the time was that India were notoriously, notoriously bad tourists, you know, like they couldn't win off the subcontinent. So we had lost the first game abysmally in That We had the added pressure, and we didn't want to be the team that breaks India's duck for, you know, for however long it had been by losing a series, you know, to India on our home ground. So there was that added bonus to that. So, you know, you take a moment at the end, you consider what you guys have achieved. And then, you know, that first beer to Trev, you know, for sure.
1: I, I, because I remember actually being invited into the dressing room. I'm sure you recall seeing me there when we won that test match. And I remember although Mm -hmm. the celebrations were big because we'd beaten India for the second time, at Tarare Sports Club, and of course, we weren't going to lose the series because it was one of those completely insignificant, yeah. uh, pointless two-test match series. But Exactly. And I remember us drinking beers together, but I, I, as happy as we were, I remember the celebra- celebrations from everybody, everybody in Extremely that dressing room being muted. Extremely muted. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Extremely. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's 20 years that we've lost Trevor Madondo, one of the, the finest batsmen, what would you say to those critics? And I mean, all of us, I have critics. I'm sure you had quite a few critics as well. It's just life in general. Um, those people who would say that the likes of yourself, the late Trevor, Andy Bruchnot, and a couple of others who were very more talented, a lot more talented than the rest of the guys, you didn't put in enough work ethic. What would your response be to such a comment? Oof,
0: whatever. They can think whatever they want <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, simple as that. Yeah,
1: simple as that. <laughs> uh, and and I wonder that no, that's nice. That that's a good answer. I like that. And and bulbs just just it, it is uh, on a lighter note. You guys had some wonderful nicknames. So you you had a variety of things. So for example, <laughs> you were bulbs because of your eyes uh, that were very you know sort of big piercing eyes. Then we had Stuart Carlisle, who had a nose like a torch, so he was known as Torch. Yeah. Gavin Rennie was Lobel's because, obviously, he loves Lobel's, his, his yeah. bread. So you guys, um, if you were to have uh, ended up in a situation, you would have survived quite nicely with with strong bulbs, a torch, and uh, and Lobel's bread.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that would have been okay. Yeah? <laughs> Lobel's a good guy. You know, like um, Lolly, uh, he's... Just, I grew up playing against him, fantastic talent as well, and such a nice guy, you know, like, he's one of the guys who I met up with when I was in Zim three years ago and was just amazing. You know, every time I'm in Zoom, I always catch up with different people, and when I catch up with the cricket people, you know, it doesn't matter, black, white, lemon, or lime, you know, those memories are just insane, you know, like, I think it's just, you know, I remember seeing Campbell McMillan as well on that same trip.
1: Ooh, he and, was a talented you know, cricketer, wasn't we he? at
0: a barbecue at a braai and, you know, Macca turns up and it's just, you know, like five or six times we just look at each other and I'm like, Macca, I can't believe it's you. You know, bulbs, I can't believe it's you. You know, those moments went through a lot together, you know, yes. and a lot of us youngsters were caught in the middle of this shit that was happening at the time and we were just like, you know, like deer in headlights, you know, like, <laughs> like what the hell is going on? <laughs>
1: Um, Brighton it's been an absolute joy and pleasure talking to you thank you so very very much for your time honestly it's been wonderful having you on the podcast and just good to hear that you're still as as natural as you were when you were a cricketer very uh, talented and a real athlete and you, you the way that you speak is very natural as well not holding anything back which is what you did when you were on the field thank you very much indeed for your time and uh, we certainly look forward to catching up sometime and, 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 of course, wishing you nothing but the very best with your, with your pharmaceutical career in Zurich as well.
0: Dino, much appreciated, mate. It's been fantastic catching up with you. It's great to hear your voice. Uh, great to hear that you're very well as well, uh, apart from the graying hair. But, you know, <laughs> don't worry so much about the 20 kgs. We've all got it. Take it easy, bud. Good to, speak to you. Stay in touch and keep up the good work
1: my opinion always as we greet each other my opinion always is why would you have a six-pack when you can have a keg there we go (laughs) you've been listening to the dean at stumps podcast (laughs) with brighton watamba former zimbabwe pace bowler and we will be back again very very soon with another podcast until then stay safe and goodbye
0: you've been listening to dean at stumps zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast